listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the third and final hour of Miller and Moulton here on the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Joe Sagaki is kind enough to join us, the longtime voice of the Miami Hurricanes. And I think that's partly why his Twitter handle is Kane's Voice. Kane's Voice. Joe, it's David and Mark. We normally ask, how the heck are you? But you're broadcasting one of the top 15 basketball teams in the country and one of the top 15 baseball teams in the country. I'm guessing life's good. Yeah, it is. Uh, the weather is nice, and, and winning is fun. I like winning. Winning's good. I mean, winning's fun. <laughs> Joe has this... Miami's won seven in a row in basketball, so uh, they're on a roll. And they've got a chance to win the regular season ACC uh, championship. I don't think the ACC acknowledges the regular season, but um, we will, and uh, they've got a chance. Well, what we found is that Miami's been disrespected. I mean, they're underdogs at uh, Tech. They're, throughout this whole winning streak, it seems that they've been not given any credit for winning. As Have they played with a chip on their shoulder this year? You know, I don't know if they played with a chip on their shoulder as much as they just played with fun for the most part. And um, it's funny, you know, I'm not sure that, that kids are in tune with those things as much as we are. I think um, kids today, sports is something they play rather than being a student of. So I don't know. It's possible that, you know, internally they talk about it, but I'm not 100% sure that they do. Uh, they just, it's one game after another. And, uh, you know, you, you go all the way back to their youth leagues. They're playing so many games. Sometimes they, they become numb to that. But I do know this, what they're doing right now is um, playing with a lot of joy, uh, playing free, uh, playing smart, uh, playing with great chemistry, and scoring a lot of points. And uh, they could be really, uh, I think they should have really like two losses the whole season. Now, that would have been interesting to see, and they would get the respect that you're talking about. You know, they lost a couple of heartbreakers on the road. However, maybe those losses early in the season is why they're winning winning uh, games now on the road and, and closing games out better. Uh, but they've been really good. Uh, I do think they should be ranked higher. I do agree with you guys. I don't think they're getting enough respect. I don't think Coach Laranega gets enough respect from anyone uh, not not only the national media, but locally as well. I don't think he, he gets enough respect. He's probably uh, one of the top three coaches I've been around in my career. You know, I put him there with uh, Coach Shule and Jimmy Johnson and Jim Laranega. Uh, I, I just have that much respect for him. I think he's fab- a fabulous coach, and what he's done with Miami basketball is incredible. Well, he's being talked about for the Basketball Hall of Fame, but I agree with you. You know, when the college basketball pundits – you know, that Larinaga never gets mentioned as like one of the 10 best coaches in the game. Joe, you've been around sports, you know, most of your adult life here. Those are pretty strong words. What is it about Jim Larinaga that first basically won you over? Why is it you hold him in such high regard? He connects, you know, he's able to connect with every kid from every different background. You know, when you go out and recruit these players and uh, usually the head coach comes in, you know, for the close. And uh, maybe the head coach is in connection with the player the whole time during recruiting. Maybe not. 
but uh, once you get them, you kind of have to re-recruit them on your campus once you have them. You know, you got kind of brainwash them after you, you know, tell them how great they are. But he's able to connect with every player from every background, and he's able to develop every player from every background. I've watched him take Wooga Poplar from a tough spot in Philadelphia, and Wooga didn't play last year to averaging almost 10 points a game this year, uh, and over the last nine averaging – uh, close to 10 points. Alani Walker is in the NBA. You know, Alani Walker coming from Ray, Pennsylvania, and Coach Larinaga able to just draw a great bond with him. Uh, Dwayne, uh, uh, um, uh, Dwayne Hewlett, who came from uh, Northern High School here in Miami, had no low post game at all. Turned him into a really good low post player. But he is able to look at his situation and say, okay, this is what we have. We can only coach what we have. I can't dwell on what I don't have. So he's coached tall teams, short teams, injured teams, healthy teams, and this year a short and fast team and makes it work. He just takes what he has and makes it work. And, uh, and I was telling him the other day, I said, you know, you know who you remind me of? So, uh, do you guys remember Bum Phillips, what he, what he said about Coach Shula? He can take his in and beat urine and take urine and beat his in. And uh, that's kind of Coach Larinaga. Uh, whatever he has at Miami, and believe me, at Miami, you're not recruiting the same kind of guys you're going to get at Carolina or UCLA. If you're in one of those schools, you can could, you could recruit to a direct style of play. And Miami, you got to be flexible, and that's what he is. He's flexible from year to year, from game to game, almost from minute to minute. And he makes the best in-game adjustments of, of any basketball coach I've seen. They've had great guard play. They're veterans back there. They can score. Is there an area that you're concerned with this team? Because to us, they look like they're a potential Final Four team because you've got to score in the tournament, and Miami has not had a problem doing that this year. You know, I think they can make the Final Four. Uh, and I think they make the Final Four because what you just said, they can score, and they and they can go to, into a game, and it can be tight. And, you know, these, these tournament games, players might be even tighter but they can blow a game open in two minutes. You know, Isaiah Wong scored 13 points in a row in two minutes against Wake Forest and turned that game upside down. Nigel Pack, a month ago against um, uh, Virginia Tech, had no points going into the final five minutes and scored 17 and, you know, blew that game open. My concern would simply be size. If they get into a game where um, the size becomes an overwhelming factor, for example... Uh, Miami did have a game earlier this year against Syracuse. And uh, at one point, Syracuse, just every play, they just threw the ball to Jesse Edwards as high as they could. And it didn't matter how high or hard guys like Isaiah Long were jumping. They just couldn't reach that, couldn't get up in the air that high. So uh, a team that, that knows how to use their size or plays the great size, I don't know that there are many of them out there other than Purdue, uh, could create a problem. That being said, uh, Norchad O'Meara, even though he's six seven, he's a real problem for other for guys uh, because he's so strong. You know, uh, moving Norchad O'Meara is like moving an oak tree. And uh, I think the first thing that uh, players do, tall players, when they get in against him, is they want to get a feel for the physicality of the game. Uh, how can they play against him? How can they um, score in the low block against him? And how do they defend him? And they find out that he's a lot stronger than I mean, he looks strong, but I think when they play him they find out he's a lot stronger than, than what they see on tape. 
Canes host the Knolls Saturday late afternoon, 4 o'clock. That's when Joe Sagaki is back at work, although he'll do some baseball before then. Uh, Joe Sagaki, longtime voice of the Miami Hurricanes, and that's how you can follow him on Twitter at Canes Voice, Canes Voice. Hey, uh, did did Laranega have to do something different? You know, what was it, two, three years ago? I mean, guys were below 500. You know, you were you were shorthanded. I mean, you were grabbing a guard off of FGCU just to help fill out the roster. And now you're going to the Elite Eight one year, and we think you're a Final Four contender the next. Was that just one down year, or did Laranega have to regroup? Um, well, really what happened was the FBI came in. You guys might remember uh, that whole Adidas uh, situation and Miami's name got tossed in there by really by mistake. But the FBI came in, and uh, let me see. I have to get my years correct, but Miami had, uh, was coming off a uh, NCAA tournament appearance where they had Bruce Brown and Lonnie Walker, and I just got beat by Loyola of Chicago in the first round. So it's when Loyola made the run to the Final Four. But at that point... Miami, I think, had been to the tournament three years in a row and uh, had made a Sweet 16 appearance, lost to Michigan State, lost to Loyola three years in a row, and were recruiting at a high level, and their name got tossed into the FBI investigation, and they lost their entire recruiting class uh, for two years in a row. And at the time, they had some really, really good players committed to them, so they were handcuffed. Uh, they couldn't read. They didn't recruit anybody, uh, and this is prior to transfer portal becoming what it is today. Right. Uh, they went and got a few transfers to fill out their roster, but on top of that, they suffered uh, an incredible amount of injuries. So it really put them in a in a tight spot. Nobody wanted to come. They had, I don't know, six top six of the top one hundred top uh, three. No, six of the top three hundred players, maybe top one fifty committed to coming in and lost them. So they had no roster. Uh, they did not have an ACC uh, caliber uh, type of team. And that, that being said, they still were competitive in some of the games. So the difference is, um, I can remember going to practice two summers ago, walking in and saying, hey, coach, you got a full roster. This is pretty cool. You finally got uh, an entire team. And they went to the Elite Eight. Uh, so the difference is they've got an entire team uh, they play a rotation the last two years of eight or nine, maybe ten if they have to, but primarily eight or nine. And they have good players. They have veteran players. He runs a great system. They're really well coached. Uh, um, and right now they're on a roll just like they were last year. But uh, he's got an entire roster of good players. He did use the transfer portal, by the way, this year with Nigel Pack and Norchad O'Meara. And those two guys have uh, really helped him. He's Joe Sagaki. He's broadcasting a top 15 men's basketball team, a top 25 baseball team, longtime voice of the Canes. Follow him on Twitter at Canes Voice, Canes Voice. Uh, listen, enjoy the next few weeks. Hopefully we can talk again, say, on the eve of the tournament. Hey, listen, we went through an entire conversation. We didn't talk football. How is that possible? I know. Well, that's because we're talking the teams that are winning, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, start doing that math right now. You know, they've won seven in a row. you got two regular season games left. Then it's three to win the uh, 
uh, ACC tournament, and then it's, you know, what you have to do next, you have to win six. So Miami's won seven. Uh, this is going to be an interesting, interesting ride here in March, that's for sure. Joe, thanks for spending part of it with us. Safe travels. We'll talk again soon. Many time, fellas. Thank you. Joe Sagaki. 21, 22 years now, voice of the Canes. That is uh, interesting that he said at the end, though. Seven in a row. They've got two more regular season games. They've got Florida State and Pitt. And uh, then the ACC tournament. Yeah, you want them to keep winning. But that sounds like it would be 18 in a row to keep this thing going until the end. I will say this, though. If they can win two more in a row, worst-case scenario, they would share the regular season ACC title. Mark, that would be two times in 10 years Miami's won the regular season ACC in men's basketball. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, Florida Sports Network. dot com. Coming up, top of the hour. It's a bonus hour. We know three of our four affiliates don't carry it, but we're going to have what we think is an interesting conversation. Rob Hartman runs a golf tournament in Southwest Florida. For the longest time, it was the Shark Shootout, QBE Shootout. Now. It's going to be the Grant Thornton Invitational, PGA and LPGA, getting together, and they're going to play a mixed team event, 16 twosomes competing. They used to do this back in the 80s and 90s, and basically the PGA Tour players got bored with it. None of the top ones would play in it anymore. Rob's going to be fired up just the field increases. That's that many more pro-am spots. <laughs> Come on. We all talk about in our next life the jobs that we would have. Do you know what I never threw out there for you, but if when I think about it, it'd probably be a top five? How about tournament director of a golf tournament? I You would love that. I would love it. I Trust me, there were times I've thought about calling Rob and seeing, is there anything available? Anything. <laughs> and, of course, he'd come back with, you know, the, the caddy barn there, the cart barn. At, at Tiburon, you know, but... Eh. And there's been times that that looked very appealing to me, David. Listen, you got to do 20 hours with me a week. I can see where it would be. <laughs> Never mind all the other stuff we deal with. Just you dealing with me, I can see where the cart barn would that's be That's the easy part of this, though. That That's the easy part. Uh, that's what you say now. Because we've, you know, sanded all the edges after 17 years. You know, got a few texts today. And uh, I really just wanted to read you one, David. Okay. Just had popcorn in bed. It was glorious. <laughs> Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Comes from yesterday's show, Do You Eat in Bed, was our poll question. To which seven of ten of you do not eat in bed, but there are 30% like David Moulton that that is an extension of the dining room. So today is apparently National Chili Day. Yes. Right? Along with toast and what? Banana bread? Banana bread, yeah. Okay. And so I said, oh, you could eat chili in bed. And you two went nuts. Oh, my. And I'm like, who brings a bowl with, 
cereal, soup, chili, whatever it may be, who brings a bowl with liquids to bed? Well, I do. And the reason is it depends on the bowl, I will say. It okay, depends like I, on the bowl. It depends on the bowl because, let's face it, they can be shaped differently. Like, I will say this. Like, when I ate the stew out of the bed last week, I didn't take it out of the Tupperware and put it into a separate dish. I thought and looked at the Tupperware and said, you know, I like this. High sides. Okay. This is perfect. And I just grabbed it, went in the room. The game was on. I just continue, ate the stew out of the Tupperware and continued to watch the game. I used the Tupperware to my advantage. Let's get to a I couple of this- key questions here. Did you even uh-huh. warm the stew up? No. <laughs> no. Oh, my. I will say, I'll give you a little credit here, even though you don't deserve any. The cold stew is going to be thicker than it's warmed up. There are less chances of spilling the cold stew as there is the warmed up stew. I, I will Thank give you. you a tiny bit of credit for that, but I don't think it's really deserved because all that really happened was you grabbed the stew out of the fridge, you looked at it, you opened it and said, this would be better warmed up, but why do I want to waste 90 seconds warming something up that I could just eat right now? Is well, that yeah. an act? Because, because I do the same thing. Eh, this is good warmed up, but you know what? <laughs> just yeah. fine like this. Exactly. It would be better warmed up, but why bother? Okay. <laughs> and you're right. It's it's more congealed and there's yes. less chance of spilling. And I'm using the t- this way. I don't have to put it into anything different. Okay. No, this is perfect. All right. Very quickly. So I'm dating my, who would turn out to be wife. And uh, we were three hours apart at the time. And so I drove up to see her and I'm sleeping on, and she's still, she's in grad school. So she's uh, living at home and I'm sleeping on the couch. Okay. When I go to visit her, obviously, I mean, it is only a minister and a minister's wife, you know, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're shacking up in the room. So I'm sleeping on the couch. At least they didn't go old, you know, 18th century and sew you to the bed or something like that. No. So I get up, you know, they, everybody goes to bed before me. I'm downstairs by myself. All the bedrooms are upstairs and I'm watching a little TV and what have you. And you know, sports are on and it's late. And so I'm hungry. So I get up and I walk into their kitchen and they've got, you know, the cans, you know, SpaghettiOs and spaghetti and meatballs and things like that. And so I just take it, open up the can and start eating out of it. Of course you do. Right. And so uh, my future mother-in-law comes down the stairs and she looks. And honestly, I thought she was going to run up the stairs and say to the daughter, you have to end this relationship now. Okay. We cannot have him in the family. Okay, for as nice and as charming as he is at the family dinners and all this, and he really does seem to care for you. Okay, I have to draw the line at the cold SpaghettiOs and spaghetti and meatballs out of the can. Okay, and literally, I was in the middle of eating the can, and she grabbed it out of me, threw it in a bowl, heated it up, and gave it to me. Okay, and I, of course, while she was doing it, wanted to open up another Another can can and and eat it cold. Right, right. So, so there you go. So that's how deep it runs, Mark. It runs very deep. The facts, there are so many things to, to get into just in that detail, is that in your mid-20s, you were still eating SpaghettiOs and eating them out of a can. Oh, yeah, that was late 20s even. Late 20s. That was the first thing that I took out of that. Secondly, that while I will allow SpaghettiOs as a pass because – we all know at one point in our lives they were delicious. There has never been a time that a canned meatball 
in one of those things has ever been edible. Oh, I'm sure it somehow, you know, that 25 years later led to kidney cancer. I have no doubt in my mind, but I don't care. Okay, I do it again. Okay, I mean, some game was on. I was hungry. Let's go. Plus, you know, it's real easy to hide the evidence. It's a can. No, that is true. You rinse it out. You put it at the bottom of the garbage. they They don't notice. In fact, Mark, I had two. She called me when I was eating the second cold can. I got busted the other day by the wife. I took down the daughter's ice cream and mm-hmm. buried the half gallon yes. deep, threw some stuff over it, and she right. still somehow I didn't cover it up completely. The next morning, she sold me out to the daughter. Wow. That dad took down the ice cream again. Normally, I'll just take the whole bag out to the garbage. If, if I feel threatened, I just change the garbage bag. I don't care. There could be 10 things in it. Throw it out in the garage. They'll never notice. Wow. I can't believe she sold you out like that. She didn't even give you a chance to like go out the next day and replace it. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, I killed an entire thing of Tostitos yesterday. Okay. Late in the afternoon, ran to Publix, got a brand new bag, put it in the thing. I mean, that's what you do. He's not lying and we're not lying. This is a method that we have used for a long time. Man, selling me out like that, that's, listen, you know, it's your relationship and all, but I don't, I don't know. I'm concerned. I have an ice cream problem, David. I can admit it. <laughs> I mean, I will go to Culver's where they have those concrete mixers. Uh-huh. And because of the daughter's softball league, we had to buy these little cards where you get coupons. The coupons for a buy one, get one. I went the other day and got a buy one, get one for, for me. You. Yes! Yes! That's the kind of show we're talking about here. Went home with two of those things, sat down and watched Full Swing on Netflix, and I was never happier. Yes! That's how we roll. Miller and Moulton, buy one, get one. For ourselves. (laughs) For ourselves. And I can admit that. At least on this show. I don't think I can tell my wife. I can tell the audience at large and you and Felipe... I don't think I could admit to my wife that I went and got to buy one, get one concrete mixer and had them both for myself. And your stock has never been higher in my eyes than right now. That is awesome. Don't know if I've ever been fatter, but that's another problem that we'll have to deal with. Miller and Moulton. That makes me feel better too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour is up, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Rob Hartman, who's running a brand new golf tournament, the Grant Thornton Invitational, at the end of the year in Southwest Florida. PGA LPGA tour announcement yesterday. They haven't done one of these since 1999. We'll talk to him about it at the beginning of our bonus hour. If you miss any part of the show or you don't get the bonus hour in Lake city, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte to Venice. Well, download our podcast, Florida sports, Florida sports, for those that go 
Spotify for your podcast. There's been a hiccup the last couple of days. It's being corrected. Okay, we apologize for that. May have to go elsewhere uh, for the rest of the week, but uh, we're aware of it and we're fixing it. Can I ask you just a really general question? Mm-hmm. Who the hell is going to be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks next year? I think it's going to be Kyle Trask. Bruce Arians came out yesterday and endorsed him. Now, I will say Todd Bowles is breaking away from Bruce Arians. He's fired a bunch of his coaches and that he inherited. And uh, But I think financially, Mark, I think they're going to take a year. They're going to figure out whether or not he's the answer. They're going to let Fournette go, and they're going to hand the ball to Richard White at 900000 a year versus $6 million. I think they're going to make all these financial moves. They have to. They're in the second-worst cap shape of any team in the league. I mean, Brady's costing them $35 million this year. Uh, that's There's no way to move any of that either. He retired. He, I mean, he submitted the paperwork. So it's on the books, $35 million. So when they look at their the money they're spending at quarterback, it starts with $35 million. And they've so, got one guy right now because Gabbert was a free agent. Brady retired. So they have Kyle Trask, and that's it. And he'll be entering the third year as a second-round pick. So I'm guessing he's making a million bucks. Maybe a, a shade more than that. And then my guess is they go find a veteran. Maybe they bring Gabbert back, at, you know, but he may not want to back up Kyle Trask, so they have to go find somebody else. And they sign up for three, four million. And then Mark, they say we're spending forty million on a quarterback, thirty-five on Brady, one on Trask, three on his backup. So it's it's looking more and more like this is a reset year for the Bucks. Well, you know. We brought it up, and people said we were bat blank crazy, but it's funny. Now people covering the league and actually covering the Bucks are kind of like, hey, should they trade Mike Evans? Now it sounds absolutely bat blank crazy. I mean, why are you trading a Hall of Fame wide receiver? Because I mean, you're not you- going to be good for the next two years, more than likely, and this is where his value is highest. By the time you're where you want to be, what's Evans' value? So you don't think they can win this division next year? Like if they kept Evans, you know, they they figure out a way to bring back a couple of those guys on defense. Remember, they're going to get two of their offensive linemen back healthy. Yeah, first year OC, Kyle Trask at quarterback and Todd Bowles as the head coach. No, I don't think they can win the division. Okay. I don't think that's a recipe that I want to go into with winning – but they can prove me wrong because the division's so damn bad. There you go. That That's why, you know, you and I were thinking bigger picture, a little bit longer term. We're willing to sacrifice 2023 to be ready to win in four. And I think I mean, you have we- to sell everybody on what the Eagles did and how they turned it around with one bad year. Right. Because the Bucks have to, at some point, they have to pay the piper for what's going on with the salary cap. Yeah. And make it be 2023. Make 2023 be Philadelphia's 2020 when the Eagles went 4-11-1. and 
after making the playoffs for four straight, three straight years, just like the Bucs made the playoffs for three straight years. Bucks won the Super Bowl their first year of their three-year run. So did the Eagles. Then the Eagles lost in the division round. So did the Bucs. Then the Eagles lost in the first round. So did the Bucs. Then the Eagles went 4-11-1, fired their coach. Well, now here comes Tampa Bay's 2023 season. And then we know what's happened the last two years when the GM with cap flexibility and some trades where he acquired some picks. Now, he was damn near flawless for two years in personnel moves, and I don't think any of us think that Jason Light is going to turn into Howie Roseman. Okay, but, I mean, he's done some good things, obviously. I mean, his ledger's pretty mixed, but he's done some good things. And, you know, we have people in our Twitch chat room right away. You can't trade Evans. He's the face of the franchise. Really? I mean, has I mean, that, that just been put on him now? Because he wasn't, the, you know, he wasn't the face of the franchise last year or the year before. It was Tom Brady, of course. And Also, do you, do you need a face of the franchise? And I'm not being a jerk. All right, I'm not. Do you need a face of the franchise? You know, back in the day, you needed somebody to sell tickets, to put a front page of the media guide and all that sort of thing. Do you really, do you need a face of the franchise if you're an NFL team? This isn't an NBA team. This is an NFL team. Do you need a face of the franchise? Or does the helmet good enough? I don't think you need one. What every team wants is the face of the franchise to be who? The quarterback. Sure. So unless you have that guy, you're still searching for that face of the franchise until you can find one. And might as well find out what Kyle Trask has. Mike Evans, by the way, nine consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Fewest number of games he's ever played in a season's 13, by the way. And that was in a 16-game season. I mean, Mike Evans is durable. He's played 15 or 16 games in every year he's played except one. But he's now played nine years in the league. First digit in the birth certificate becomes a three this year. If you're going to trade him, now's the time. This will be max value for Evans the rest of his career. Even if he has a terrific year trading. I mean, it's kind of like that where the Cardinals are at with DeAndre Hopkins. He's 31. And he carries a big cap number. And he's on the market, apparently. Okay, Mark, if you're Tampa Bay, wouldn't you want to throw out there, hey, if you're considering D-Hop, call us. We'll give you Mike Evans a year younger and a little cheaper. And plays and more, more games, durable. more durable, right. no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because even yeah. with the suspension, Diop had throw that out. Diop's had some injuries. I mean, teams looking to go get their quarterback a number one wide receiver. Number one wide receivers have never had more value than they have right now. And Mike Evans is a one even with him and Brady not being on the same page. 
Mike Evans is a one. He's got 33 touchdowns the last three years. What do they get for him? Is it just a one? Well, <laughs> well that's not bad. No, no, no. I'm just asking. Is it is it is it a one? Is, can, can they get the one, number one pick from somebody for him? Well, you know, the Eagles got, quote, just a one for A.J. Brown. Now, Brown, five years younger, not as good a player, though. I mean, he may be now, but, I mean, A.J. Brown had one big year when the Eagles acquired him. And the Eagles knew they had to pay him. And I think A.J. Brown's not making more than Mike Evans. And what did they get? Like the 22nd pick of the draft, something like that, from Tennessee? They got Tennessee's first rounder? It was like around 22, 23, I think. Something like that. But. So I'm all for it. Mark, if the Ravens called up Tampa Bay and said, we'll give you the 22nd pick of the first round. Done. Okay. And that's. It's kind of what I'm asking there. Done, but I'm you know I'm just trying to I'm trying to find the team because Philadelphia was perfect for AJ Brown. They needed yep. the one. They were in position. They had the draft capital. You know, everybody in our Twitch chat room keeps going Chicago. Chicago doesn't have the draft. They're not giving up number one overall for Mike Evans. They don't have a second round pick. Now, would they give up a number one in 24? Maybe. But what if it's Baltimore? What if the Ravens call you up and say, we'll give you the 22nd pick of the draft? If you're Tampa Bay, by the way, that means you'd pick 19th and 22nd. You know, have a nice little first round here to kind of, we're beginning our next era. I mean, you can argue, by the way. I know Tom Brady's the better player. We get that. But Brady gave you three years. I mean, you can make the argument, this is the best offensive player in franchise history, Mike Evans. I'm telling you, he's going to the Hall of Fame. People don't seem to believe us when we say this. Nine straight 1,000-yard seasons to begin your career. Don't tell me about how offensive-minded the league is right now, okay? Take a look at how many people have done that. Would you make that move, by the way, for, with Baltimore? Yes, I would. I would want... A little something extra if I could get it. You know, like they had six fourth-round picks last year. I'd almost ask them to throw one of those players in. Like, you know, the Ravens have an abundance of tight ends. Tampa Bay doesn't have one. Okay, I mean, it. I would say, can you give me the 22nd pick and can you throw me that third-string tight end you got? Because he'd be no worse than second string on our team. I mean, something like that. I would just, you know, give me a little, little something extra. But, yes, I would do it. It's time to retool. Bucks fans, 21,000. Is it time to retool? Would you move Mike Evans if given the opportunity? The text line is open at 21,000, If you've never texted the show before, FSN Radio, all one word, is the keyword to get behind the gate. Once you've done that, you are in. Another reason why I actually think you could get Baltimore to do it is Baltimore may be thinking we got a one to two year window to actually win our third Super Bowl because this Lamar thing may not work out. So we may only have one or two more years with Lamar. So how about we kind of push the chips in a little bit? Plus the tight end's not getting any younger. All right. Probably got two more years of him at an elite level. 
So I think you might be able to get Baltimore to kind of push some chips in, knowing what they're up against in the AFC. I don't think you can be conservative in the AFC. I think you can be very conservative in the NFC. Well, and that's why I'm trying to think of AFC teams that need a one where this fits. And Baltimore is a really solid destination. You know, Tennessee needs one, but Tennessee would have to think, are we ready to win? And they just made $38 million in salary cap cuts yesterday to get under the cap. But if you're Tennessee, are you thinking, well, if we keep Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Mike Evans, okay, let's line this sucker back up and let's go. Now, Tennessee's got the 11th overall pick. I don't think they'd give that up for Mike Evans. So now we start getting into, you know, you willing to take less than a one and multiple picks. And I know it's that sort of deal. I don't know what Dallas has. Dallas needs a Dallas needs a receiver. Twenty sixth pick in the first round. They got cap issues, though. You know, like if you do something like that, you're definitely not bringing Dalton Schultz back. You're certainly not bringing Zeke back on his current contract. You'd have to take a huge, huge cut. Well, I don't think Zeke's back unless he takes a huge cut. I, they need Pollard more than they need Zeke on that team. I totally agree. I'd I'd tag Pollard. $10 million for Pollard and worry about the con- – see how he recovers from the leg injury and worry about it next year. I agree with that 100% because that offense needs him. That was one of their two weapons that they had. Zeke was not a weapon last year. By the way, just throwing this out there, Jacksonville. Yeah, I know you made a bunch of acquisitions and this, that, and the other thing. Is there anybody who's a one on that offense? Or do you have a bunch of twos and threes? It's kind of like a pitching staff, Mark. You know, St. Louis Cardinals for many years threw a bunch of – they went to the World Series one year with a bunch of number three and four starters. They didn't have really a one or two on the team, yet they won over 100 games. Or do you load up on the aces? You know, Jacksonville's got a lot. Nice, you know, the Christian Kirks of the world, the Evan Ingrams of the world. That's really nice. Ridley's coming on board. But, but put Mike Evans with Trevor Lawrence now in that division. <laughs> if you're Tampa, you call up Jacksonville and say, give me 24th pick of the draft. You can have Mike Evans. I think there would be suitors for him. I think it's a deal that could get done. It's just a matter of whether or not Tampa wants to retool now. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network. 